There we go. Alright, so, um, like I was saying, last week we preached a sermon on God's view of alcohol. Now the reason we did that, and we didn't just kind of preach through the text, is because, uh, like I was explaining to you last week, uh, the story we just read, there's two major sins that are mentioned uh, in this story for the first time in the Bible. If you look at verse... Uh, uh, look at verse 20, Genesis chapter number 9 and verse 20. The Bible says, And Noah began to be an husbandman, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. So we saw there how uh, someone being drunk and someone being alcohol, the first time mentioned in the Bible, and we preached through that and explained that and, and, and saw what the Bible teaches about that. And, uh, but the other sin that is found in this passage is in verse 24. Look at verse 24. The Bible says, And Noah awoke from his wine, and it says, And knew what his younger son had done unto him. Now we're going to get more into this in a little bit. But pretty much this is the first time that a verse is referencing the act of sodomy in the Bible. And we'll, we'll get more, a little more into it and explain a little more. But I want to preach a sermon on this. Uh, here's the title of the sermon, God's View on Sodomy. God's View on Sodomy. Now, I would ask this. Listen, just listen to the sermon. It may not be as much of a preaching sermon as, as more of a Bible study. Uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. But, but I, I'd like you to just keep an open mind and allow the Bible to logic with you and listen to what the Bible says before. Because a lot of times we come to certain subjects and we come with a preconceived idea. And, and, and then we, we look at the Bible and even though it says something, it goes against what we already believe and we try to make the Bible fit what we already believe. And that's the wrong way to study the Bible. When we look at the Bible, we should allow the Bible to define itself. We should allow the Bible to uh, tell us what it means. So I want to show you uh, God's view on sodomy, uh, or the Bible's view on sodomy, and what God thinks about that, alright? So like I said, last week we talked about this. We talked about the law of first mention. The law of first mention, or that's what a lot of people call it. And pretty much what that says is that whenever something is mentioned for the first time in the Bible, God allows us to see how He feels about that. Or a lot of times God will uh, describe to us what that, if, if there's a word that is mentioned for the very first time in the Bible, a lot of times God will show us what that word means in that first passage, the first time it's mentioned. Or if it's a sin, or if it's some sort of an action, God will sort of Show us how he feels about that. We gave an example last week about Egypt. And if you do a word study of Egypt, you'll find the first time that the word Egypt, uh, the place Egypt is mentioned in the, in the Bible, it's mentioned with a negative light, a negative connotation. And, and the first time that it's in the Bible is Genesis 12.10. And it talks about how Abraham went down into Egypt, and he lied about his wife being a sister, and, and he sinned there. Now, that's the first time that Egypt's mentioned in the Bible, in a negative light. If you study out in the scripture, every time... Egypt is mentioned in the Bible, it's always showed in a negative light. You're always going down into Egypt. It's always the house of bondage, or somewhere bad. It, it, it's, it's not a good thing. So, you, so we see there how the God, God will describe for us what a word means, and then all throughout the Bible, that word will be the same word. It'll have the same connotation. It'll be negative, it'll be positive. And it's very important because in this passage, Genesis 9, alcohol and sodomy are mentioned. And we talked about alcohol last week, so we'll talk about sodomy this week. And I want to give you a few things, uh, three points on how God views sodomy and what God believes about sodomy, alright? So, you know, and by way of introduction, let me say this, because I'm going to say a few things and, and I want you to understand this. At Verity Baptist Church, we are not Calvinists, alright? What, what that means is we don't believe that God chooses who He will and will not save. Let me read for you a few verses, you don't have to turn there, but Second Peter chapter number 3 and verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. As some men count slackness. But it's long-suffering to us, word. And here's what the Bible says. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. John 3.15 says this. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting
everlasting life. So he says, whosoever believes, hey, anybody who believes can have, I'm sorry, eternal life, is what John 3.15 says. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10.13 says this, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we believe at Verity Baptist Church, and the Bible teaches that anybody, whosoever, has, they, they have the opportunity to be saved, alright? And I want you to know that as we get into the subject, and I'm going to explain a few things to you first. Now before, but, uh, you know, there's just a lot of passages to go to, I'm trying to decide where to go first, but let me say this. God's view on sodomy is this. The sodomite, or the, you know, the sodomy or sodomite is a, is a biblical word for what we call today a homosexual. The sodomite is a reprobate, according to the Bible. The sodomite is a reprobate, according to the Bible. Now, you say, well, what does that word reprobate mean? Well, let's, let's look at it. Go with me in your Bible and go to the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. You have the, the, those three big books in the Old Testament. Isaiah and Jeremiah... And uh, you know, then you have the book of Lamentations right after Jeremiah, which is a small book. And then you have Ezekiel, which is a large prophetic book. But go with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 6. Now, if you remember, we talked about the law of first mention, right? The word reprobate is mentioned for the first time in the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 6. Therefore, it's a very important passage because it tells us exactly how, what God feels about this word or, or describes this word for us. So let's look at Jeremiah, chapter number 6. And look at verse 30. In Jeremiah, chapter number 6, and look at verse 30. The Bible says, Reprobate silver shall men call them, because, look what it says, the Lord hath rejected them. So the Bible says when God uses the word reprobate, and in this case he's, use, he's using the analogy of reprobate silver, because the analogy he's giving is about uh, uh, silver when it's being purified. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, I'm not exactly sure... How, how it works, but they'll, they'll uh, boil it and all the, the bad part of the silver will come up and then that, that, that uh, bad part, that dirty part that they're trying to get rid of um, will, will seep up to the top and they'll get rid of that and that'll be what they reject. They don't want that. There's no use for that. They, they don't want that to be part of the silver. So that's why it says reprobate silver. But, 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 but what I want you to see there is that word reprobate, it's connected to this word rejected. Bible says, reprobate silver shall men call them, referring to a person. So the Bible says, when somebody is referred to as a reprobate, when somebody is called a reprobate, the Bible says, here's why they're called a reprobate, because the Lord hath rejected them. Do you see that? Is that clear from the scripture? Now look, I can count on my hands the, the pastors that I know that believe what I'm about to teach you right now. You know, I, I don't know of many pastors who believe what I'm, what I'm showing you in the, in the scriptures tonight. So I want you to just keep an open mind and look at what the Bible says. I literally can think of four, four pastors that I know of that believe this doctrine. So there's not, not too many of them. But, but look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, Reprobate silver shall men, uh, shall men call them, because the Lord hath rejected them. So according to Jeremiah, chapter number 6, and verse 30, if somebody is called a reprobate, it's because why the Lord hath rejected them. Correct? Do you see that? Is that clear from the scriptures? Now let's go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 1. And Romans chapter number 1 deals heavily with the subject of the uh, sodomite. Homosexual. Romans chapter number 1 and look at verse number 17. Romans chapter number 1 and look at verse number 17. The Bible says, and I want you to just follow along with me. 
Romans chapter number 1, and look at verse 17. The Bible says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed. I want you to take note of these words. It said in verse 17, that righteous, the righteousness of God is revealed. And then in verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So the Bible says that the righteousness and the wrath of God have both been revealed. And here's who they've been revealed to. Look at verse 18. It says, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And here's who it's been revealed to. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So anybody who holds the truth in unrighteousness, the wrath of God has been revealed to them, and the righteousness of God has been revealed to them. Alright? Look at verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. So Paul says, whatever can be known of God is manifest. That means they know it. And it's known in them. For God hath showed it unto them. Do you see that? So God says that God has revealed Himself. God has made Himself manifest. God has showed it unto them. Who are we talking about? Those who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Look at verse 20. For the invisible things of Him, from the creation, take note of that word, creation, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen. Okay, I want to break this down for you because I want you to see what, what the point that, that Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is making. He says, the invisible things, the things of God that we cannot see, of Him, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen. So he says, we can see the things that, you know, we can clearly see those invisible things. What are the invisible things? God. What are the invisible things? Heaven. What are the invisible things? You know, this, the spiritual world. And he says, we can see those things, and he says, we see them through what? From the creation. Alright? Being understood by the things that are, what? Made. You see what the Bible says? So the Bible says, we know that there is a God because of the creation. We know that there is a God because of the things that are made. So, the, the Bible says, God says, I've revealed myself to every human being. I've revealed my righteousness. I've revealed my wrath. I've made myself known. I've showed myself to every single person. There's not one person that can stand up and say, there is no God. He said, here's how I showed myself to you in my creation. Because when you look at God's creation, see the world, and this is why God... Or uh, Satan attacks the doctrine of creation so much. Because God says, when you look at the earth I created, when you look at the sun and the moon and the stars and the bodies that I've given you and how intricate it is and how special it is and how amazing it is and the, and the things that I've done in the ocean and the forest and, the, and, and all the things that are seen in the earth. He says, you can see my power through that. He says, I've showed myself and I've, uh, I've made myself manifest to every single human being through His creation. That's what the Bible says. Look at verse 20 again. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even His eternal power and Godhead, and look what it says, so that they are without excuse. The Bible says that we, as human beings, are without excuse. There is no human being that will ever be able to stand up before God and say, God, I didn't know. Now look, they might not know that Jesus Christ, they might not know that Jesus saves, and that's our job. It is our job to go out into the highways and hedges, into all the world and preach the gospel, and let those people know. But no one will be able to say that they didn't know that there wasn't a God. Look, you're taught that there is no God. You go to school and somebody teaches you that, because the natural man believes that there is a God. 
The man left to himself looks at the earth, looks at the world, and they may not get it right. You know, we look at these societies throughout the ages who made a God out of the sun and made a God out of animals. But they understood, hey, there is something greater than us that made us. And, uh, and there is a God. You have to be taught to not believe in God. So God says they are without excuse. I've made myself known to them. Look at verse 21. Because that's when they knew God. See, they knew who God was. Look what it says. They glorified Him not as God. So the Bible says, they knew God, and they glorified Him not as God. Alright? Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man into birds, into four-footed beasts, and to creeping things. Wherefore, look what it says, God also gave them up. Now I want you to follow what the Bible is saying. First the Bible says they knew God. First the Bible says they glorified Him not as God. Then the Bible says, wherefore, He says, because they knew Me, because they glorified Me not as God, because they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image made like to corruptible man, the Bible says, because of that reason, wherefore God also gave them up. So who, who rejected God? Who, who rejected who first? Did God reject that person first, or did that person reject God first? They rejected God first. Let's go from the Bible. They knew God, and they glorified Him not as God, so then the Bible says God gave them up. Keep reading. What did He give them up to? He gave them up to uncleanness. Through the lust of their own hearts. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Look at verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. And worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator. Who was blessed forever. Amen. So again, God gives us another example. He says, they took my truth and they turned it into a lie. What, what is He saying? They rejected my truth again. They worshipped and served not the Creator, but they served the creature more than the Creator. What, what are they doing? They rejected God. And look at verse uh, 26. For this cause... So God again is saying, because of this reason, why? Because they worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator. Because of this reason, why? Because they uh, changed the truth of God into a lie. God says, for this cause, God gave them up. So God gave them up to what? Unto vile affections. What are those vile affections? For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. I want you to remember these words, natural use and nature. We'll go back to that. Look at verse 27. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was me. Now I want you to understand the progression that God, is, that God is trying to teach us. Once God... Well, let's keep going. I'll, I'll, just, let's just read the verses and I'll, I'll give you my thoughts here in a second. Look at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So again, who's rejecting who? They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Do you see the pattern? God gave them over to a, and there's that key word, reprobate mind. To do those things which are not convenient. So we see there, God is showing us a pattern. They knew God. They glorified not God. He gave them over. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man. God gave them up. 
they took the truth of God and turned it into a lie. They worshipped and served the creature, not or more than the Creator. And then the Bible says, for this cause, God gave them up. The Bible says that every time that they, they rejected Him first, and then He gave them up. Do you see that? And then in verse 28 he says, And even as they did not like to retain God, again, they rejected Him in their knowledge. God gave them over to, and what's that? there's a key word that I want to see, a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. What does the word reprobate mean? We saw that in Jeremiah 6.30. Reprobate silver shall men call them. Why? Because the Lord hath rejected them. We see that very clearly. Bible, the Bible has already told us uh, in different occasions, He gave them up. He gave them up. He gave them up. And then He tells us, He gave them up over to a reprobate mind. Why? Because He rejected them. But who rejected who first? They rejected God, and then God rejected them. Do you see that? We're still, uh, we're still kind of in the Bible study mode. And then in the rest of the chapter, God gives us a roll call of the reprobate's attributes. And he says in verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedience to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, uh, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now let me read a verse for you. You don't have to turn there, but... Well, actually, I, I don't know. You may be there. You, you, just go with me back to Genesis. Keep your hand in Romans. We might be going back. But go to Genesis and look at chapter number 6. Genesis chapter number 6. And look at verse 3. Genesis chapter number 6. And look at verse 3. The Bible says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh... Yet his days shall be in hundred and twenty years. I want you to see the first part of that uh, verse there. The Bible says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Okay, so what, what's going on here? What is a reprobate? Well, we saw that a reprobate is someone who is rejected. And the Bible tells us that the homosexual has... God gave them up to a reprobate mind. So what is God talking about? Well, first of all, we know this. That God didn't reject them first. You remember we read those verses? That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all shall come to repentance. Look, God wants everybody to be saved. But God gives people an opportunity to be saved. And when people reject God, and He gives them another opportunity. And then they reject God. And He gives them another opportunity. And then they reject God. And they reject God. And they reject God. And they reject God. There comes a time when God says, My Spirit shall not always strive from them. And Bible says that there comes a time where somebody rejects Him and rejects Him and rejects Him. And God says, You know what? I'm done with you. And I now reject you. And God gave them up. God gave up on them. God gave them over to a reprobate, a rejected mind. A reprobate first rejects God, then God rejects them. What does that mean? It means a reprobate has no hope. It means a reprobate cannot be saved. God says, I gave them an opportunity, and I gave them an opportunity, and I gave them an opportunity, and I'm just done with it, and I, I, I've rejected them. They have no more opportunities. And the Bible is very clear on this. I mean, there are certain things that God says you can cross a line and you, have, and you no longer have an opportunity to be saved. Now, now look, the Bible teaches 
something we call eternal security. Once you are saved, you're always saved. Once you're saved, you can never lose your salvation. But, you know, so once you're saved, hey, God will never take away your salvation. This doesn't apply to a Christian. You know, but, uh, but a Christian hasn't rejected God because they've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are those who are not saved, uh, who, who reject God and, and, and fly in the face of God. Now look, there are unsaved people out there who haven't rejected God. They just don't know. They don't know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins. And they don't know. And that's why we go on and we knock on doors and we, and we try to preach the gospel. Because there are people out there who don't necessarily hate God or have anything against God. They just never heard the gospel. They've never had it explained to them. They've never really rejected God. But there are people out there who hate God. And take a stand against God and say, I want nothing to do with God. And here's, here's the, the progression they go by usually is that of evolution. They serve the creature more than the creator. So they say, we weren't created by God. We came from this animal. We came from this monkey. Or we came from this fish. Or we came from this uh, single-celled organism. But we know... You, you say, well, how do you know reprobate? Well, remember I told you... Go, go back to Romans 1. I want to show you... Uh, what were the verses? Look at verse 26 again. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women, uh, Romans one twenty six. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also men leaving the natural use of a woman burned in their lust one toward another. Let me let me tell you something. You say, well, how do you know uh, when someone's a reprobate? Well, here's the thing: we know a reprobate because they uh, do things that are unnatural. I, you know, I just thought of a verse that I don't, I don't have in my notes. Let me try to find it real quick. Uh, let's see. Give me one second. Let me show you. Go, go to First uh, Timothy chapter number four. First Timothy chapter number four. Let me show you uh, verse number. Uh, just look at verse one. First Timothy chapter number four, and look at verse one. First Timothy chapter number four, and look at verse one. The Bible says, "I wait for you to get there." First Timothy chapter four, look at verse one. The Bible says, "And now the Spirit speaketh expressly." That in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy. And look what it says: having their conscience seared with a hot iron. The Bible says that there comes a time when people, where God just decides to sear their conscience. Now, look. Let me tell you something. It is natural for you to want to sin. You understand that? The Bible says we have a sin nature. You know, if you take a child and they're, they're doing something that's wrong, and you catch them. It is natural for them to want to lie about that. Does that make sense? Because that, that's just a natural thing. We have certain uh, sin nature desires. You know, if we, if we get in trouble, it is completely natural. No, I'm not saying it's right, but it's natural for you to want to lie about that. You know, it's natural for, for you to want certain things. You know, to, 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 to have a desire for certain things. And I'm not saying those things are right. They may be a sin, but that's a natural desire. That, that's your flesh wanting what it desires, and we have to, you know, uh, die to ourselves daily. But let me tell you something. When I'm driving down the street... And, and, you know, I see a billboard, and there's a guy, you know, half-naked, like, some sort of underwear ad. You know, I don't, I don't have to, like, turn my eyes away and say, oh, I, I don't look at that because I'm tempted. You know, that doesn't tempt me. I, I don't know if that makes sense to you. If you're a woman, and, and you're not a reprobate, you know, uh, another female isn't tempting to you. That's not, no. Now, look, you, you, might, you might walk by, you know, somebody's house and see, you know, you're in somebody's house, you, you see, like, a hundred dollar bill. You, and you might be tempted to take that. No, you might not. But, but the temptation might be they're like, hey, I like that money. That's natural. But, but when you see some, another woman, you know, you're a female, you don't, you're not just tempted, oh, look at her, you know. And, and same with men. That, that's not a natural thing. Alright? So when somebody has that desire to do those things that are unnatural, 
It's not a normal sinful desire. It's because their conscience has been seared and they've been turned over. God has gave up on them. And that's why the Bible says in Romans uh, chapter number 1, and let's go back there because I want you to see those verses again. That's why God says there, uh, in verse 24, He says, uh, Wherefore God also gave them up, and He said He gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into life and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, verse 26, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one to another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was me. The Bible says that when God gives you up, when God rejects you, when God sears your conscience, at that point, your body is physically able to do that which is physically normally unnatural. Look, you talk to the average, you know, 20-year-old guy, you know, red-blooded American, he has no desire to want to be a homosexual. You know, he's in the locker room getting dressed. He has no desire to look at another man and, and have a sexual desire for that. You only get that unnatural desire when somebody as powerful as God has said, I'm done with you, I've rejected you, I've steered your conscience. That's what the Bible says. The homosexual has been rejected. Now let me make this statement. Every reprobate may not necessarily be a homosexual. Does that make sense? There are people out there I mean, there are people who I believe that is a reprobate, and I don't know that they are or are not a homosexual. Because a reprobate is just somebody who's been rejected by God. But let me tell you this, every homosexual is a reprobate. Okay, so you've got to understand that. Because you can only do those things which, were, which are unnatural when you've been rejected by God. So, you may be a reprobate and not be a homosexual, but you have the ability to turn into to, to that wickedness. But somebody who hasn't been rejected by God would not have that natural desire. That doesn't come naturally. Alright? So every reprobate may not be a homosexual, but every homosexual is a reprobate. And let me make this statement. You didn't, I don't want you to leave here tonight thinking this. You did not hear me say this, okay? You do not become a reprobate because you're a homosexual. Okay? So it's not like, oh, he's a homosexual, so now God rejects him. That's not how it works. You don't become a reprobate because you're a homosexual. You have the ability to be a homosexual because you are a reprobate. Does that make sense? So you've already been given the opportunity by God. And God has already showed Himself to you through creation. Maybe a soul winner came to your door and, and tried to give you the gospel. Or maybe a grandmother uh, tried to take you to church. Or maybe a, a friend or a co-worker tried to show you the gospel. And God has given you opportunity and opportunity and opportunity. And you have rejected and you have rejected and you have rejected. And then God says, fine, I'm done with you. My spirit should not always strive with man. And God rejects you. And God turns you over to a reprobate mind to do that which is unseemly. And then... You can have the ability to be a homosexual. So, you don't become a reprobate because... Because people say, you, you think that if somebody becomes a homosexual, that means just because they did that sin, they can no longer get saved? And no, I believe they can, they're a homosexual because they could no longer get saved. They became a homosexual because they had already initially rejected God, and God eventually rejected them. Alright? Does that make sense? I want you to understand that. Let me read some verses for you. You don't have to turn there. 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and look and, and verse 8 says this, Now as, Jan, uh, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. So it says they resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. So the Bible says that a reprobate is reprobate concerning what? The faith. What saves you? Faith. What gives us salvation? Faith. We're not saved because we got baptized. We're not saved because we go to church. We're not saved because we do anything. We're saved because we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that the reprobate is a reprobate. He's rejected concerning this subject, the faith. 
So they're rejected of the faith. They can no longer be saved. Titus 1.16 says this. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable. Okay, that's a word that God, uh, you know, uses rarely for just wicked sins. He says, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Bible says, unto every good work, they're a reprobate. They're rejected. What is the Bible trying to say? There's nothing good about a reprobate. They're seared. Their conscience is seared. They've been rejected by God, and they've been rejected. It's not that they never had an opportunity. It's that they rejected God, and they rejected God, and they rejected God, and God eventually rejects them. And look, every human being can get to that point. If you die not accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the moment you die... You have no more chance. There is no more opportunity to save. Once your body dies, that was your last chance. You've been rejected. But there are those who get in that state before they die. And there are other um, uh, sins that God mentions. I mean, the Bible says in the book of John that blaspheming the Holy Spirit is a sin that God will not forgive. The Bible says in Revelation that if, uh, that, that if you mess with the Word of God and you change the Word of God, that He will blot your name out of the book of life. God says, if you mess with my Word, I will reject you. I will, I will take every opportunity away for you to be saved. You will spend eternity in hell because I don't want you to mess with my Bible. And God says that about uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and God says about the homosexual, that he has been rejected, and I just want to make this clear. Somebody's going to leave here and say, you believe that because they just, they, they just made one mistake, they just had, did that sin of homosexuality, now they cannot be saved. That's not what I said. I said the reason that they went to that sin is because they'd already been rejected, because that's not a natural sin. That's not a normal sin. That's not a sin that people normally are enticed to do. A normal human being steals. A normal human being fornicates. A normal human being commits adultery. Those are normal sins. And I'm not saying those are good sins. I'm not saying those things are, are justified. But I'm saying that is a natural desire. A normal hetero, you know, man does not desire to have a relationship with another man. That's just not normal. It's weird. You say, well, shouldn't we love the homosexual? You know, I, I, I grew up in churches my whole life. And I hear pastors say, well, we, we need to love the homosexual. The sodomite. We need to bring him into our churches. We need to try to get them saved. Well, you really need to study the Bible because the Bible says that they've been God gave them up, gave up on them. And look, if God gave up on them, there's nothing you can do for them. Look, if God, you know, I may give up on somebody. I may, you know, be working with somebody and I give up on them. But as long as God hasn't given up on them, they're good to go. I mean, someone else can come by and give them the gospel. Somebody else can come by and, and, and try to save. Them. But when God gives up on a man, there's no no kindness I can show. No Bible I can show. Them, nothing matter what he's done. And it's very clear from the Bible, God says three times that He gave them up. And the third time He says He gave them up to a reprobate mind. And if you compare Scripture with Scripture, what does the word reprobate mean? It says, the Lord hath rejected them. Alright? So shouldn't we love the homosexual? No. People say, well, aren't you supposed to love, you know, you're not supposed to dislike people. Well, well let, let me read a verse for you. Matthew 5.44. This is a verse that usually people take me to. And here's what Matthew 5.44 says. It says, this is Jesus Christ says, but I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that uh, hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now that's a, that's a Bible commandment. Matthew 5.44 God commands you to love your enemies. The Bible tells you, in, in that verse it says, Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. So if somebody personally hates you, 
If somebody personally is your enemy, God commands you to love that person. God commands you to, to care for that person. God commands you to pray for that person. God commands you to, to, to uh, be good to that person. But let me tell you something. The homosexual doesn't hate me. Well, they might hate me after they hear the sermon, but you know they don't, they don't hate me. Let me show you. Uh, Romans 1.30, I don't know if you're still there. I can't remember where, where I had you turn, but Romans 1.30 says this about the homosexual. It says they're backbiters, and here's what it says. Haters of God. Despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Now keep this in mind. The Bible says that they are haters of God. Romans chapter number 1 and verse 30. The Bible says that the homosexual is a hater of God. Now go with me just real quickly. And we've got to get off this point because we have other things to talk about. But go with me to Psalms 139. Book of Psalm. Psalm 139. Let me show you what the Bible says. You say, this is crazy. I've never heard this before. I, I know. That's why America is going to hell. Because people aren't willing to, to study the Bible and come to conclusions and, and see it. And it might not be politically correct and it might be the, not be the nicest sermon, but it's got to be preached. Look at Psalm 139. And look at verse 21. The Bible says, love your enemy, love those that hate you. But the Bible says in Romans 1.30 that the homosexual, the sodomite, they are haters of God. Okay? So look at Psalm 139, look at verse 21. Psalm 139, look at verse 21. The Bible says, do not I hate them? This is David speaking. And he asked this question to God. He said, do not I hate them, O Lord? Who, is he that, who, who, who does David hate? Look at the next three words. That hate thee. So David says, Lord, I hate them, not the people who hate me. Not my enemy, because God wants you, and Jesus wants you to love your enemy. Jesus wants you to love the person that hates you. But David said, hey, do not I hate them, Lord, that hate thee. So the person who hates God, David said, I hate them. And am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? Look at verse 22. I hate them with perfect hatred. David says, I have a hate for them and I'm not sinning. It is a perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. I literally heard of a pastor who's, who said, well, you know, Psalm 139 was written by David when, when, when he wasn't right with God, and those aren't uh, good words that he said. Look, that is such garbage. I mean, Psalm 139 was inspired by God. And the next two verses I think are funny because they're very well-known verses. A lot of preachers like to preach these uh, verses, a lot of people. But if you look at it in the context, it's really funny. Look at verse 23 and 24. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. These are very well-known verses, famous verses. People have these verses at their, as their life, personal life verse. Psalm 139, 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Now I've heard entire sermons preached out of these verses. And saying that's the hardest uh, prayer to preach. To pray when you pray to God. God search me. God know my heart. God see if you find any, any thoughts. Any wickedness. Any sin in me. But look at the context. David asked God to search him. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thought. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And David asked God to, to do that for him after David had declared that he hates those who hate God. And he said, I hate them with perfect hatred. I hate them. Who? Who do you hate? hate David, your enemy? David, do you hate those who hate you? And he, and he would say, no, I hate those who hate God. Is, is the sodomite my friend tonight? No. You say, well, I work with the sodomite and he's so funny. He, he 
he's just this flamboyant guy, and you should see the get up he comes to uh, work in, and he's such a funny guy, he's such a nice guy, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to reach out to him, I'm trying to love him, look, the Bible says that there's no good thing in him, the Bible says that there's nothing good about him, the Bible says that he's a hater of God, and as a godly Christian, therefore we ought to hate him, you say, can you say that in America, I don't know, when we have freedom of speech, I don't know if you can say this, it's going to go on the internet. And I don't know if this is, you know, this is obviously not a politically correct sermon. And, and most people will say, you're crazy, I can't believe you're saying this. We should love the homosexual. But look, if you come to the Bible, and let the Bible define itself to you, it, it's clear. So are we, you know, we going to start a sodomite missions program here at Verity Baptist Church and try to reach the homosexual for God? No, we are not. Because the Bible says that the homosexual is a reprobate. The Bible says that the sodomite has been rejected of God. The Bible says that God has turned them over to vile affection. The Bible says that God has seared his conscience. The Bible says that they are haters of God. And therefore, as a Christian who loves God, you ought to hate them. Period. And if more preachers stood up on a Sunday night or on a Sunday morning and preached sermons like this, we would, we would get rid of the problem in America. You know, with this uh, Prop 19, I, I was a problem, no, Prop 19 was a marijuana thing. With the Prop 8 garbage and, and the homosexuals trying to get married and they're trying to pass laws so they can get married. Look, because hey, the average American, the average person, say, hey, they know that's weird. You, you know, if you listen to the media, it sounds like the homosexuals are just this huge crowd of people and they're just like half the country. Do you know that they're a very small minority in the entire country? Of people. But see, they, they, they have such a ruckus and they make so much noise, and then we get scared. People like us get scared because we're like, oh, well, I don't know if I can say that. And, and, and a preacher doesn't stand up. And I know of preachers, literally, in America, when, when that whole uh, Prop 8 thing was, was going on, and, and on a Sunday morning, when they should have stood up and said, hey, God hates that sin, and it's wicked and it's wrong, they stood up and said, well, we ought to love the homosexual. And that's why America's going to hell. Because people don't stand up and show that, hey, there are people in America, and, and there might not be, maybe I'm the only one, but there is a preacher in California who's going to stand up and say, hey, we're against it. Because why? Because God is against it. Not only, so, so number one, we saw that the sodomite, the homosexual, is a reprobate. There is no hope for them. Now again, it's not that they performed the sin of homosexuality and God rejected them. They were rejected a long time ago. And that's why they can do those vile affections. Because a normal unsafe person, you know, go, go to the average high school and talk to a 17-year-old kid who's doing drugs, who's sleeping around, who's, you know, doing all sorts of bad stuff, ungodly, not saved, and he has no desire to get into these, un and, and all these unnatural sins. And somebody, if, if you hear somebody doing something that's just unnatural, like being with an animal, or being with a small child, or being with someone of the same sex, you know their conscience has been seared. Alright? That's what the Bible says. Point number two. The sodomite is not only a reprobate, the sodomite is a predator. The sodomite is a predator. Now, now you're coming to Verity Baptist Church. At Verity Baptist Church, we believe that the King James Bible is the Word of God. We believe that it is inspired, it is perfect, it is preserved, there it is without error. And we take the stand that the Bible teaches us everything we need to know about every subject. So if you want to know how God feels about anything, all you got to do is go to the Bible and see what God has allowed us to see in the scriptures about that subject, and you'll be able to see what God is trying to tell you about them. So I want, you know, the Bible talks a lot about, a lot about the sin of sodomy, but there are three stories where God allows us to see people interact with sodomites. And I want to show you those three stories uh, and show you what God is trying to warn us. Because, you know, there's a lot of verses like Romans where it's dealing with the subject of homosexuals. But there are three main stories 
where we see people dealing with sodomites. And look, and look at, let's look at those quickly. The first one is in our text, Genesis chapter number 9. Genesis chapter number 9, look at verse 20. Genesis chapter number 9, and look at verse 20. The Bible says, And Noah began to be an husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine, and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment, and laid it upon both their shoulders, and went backward. And cut, look, they went backward because they were normal. They had no desire to see the nakedness of their father. So they went into the tent backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. Look at verse 24. And Noah awoke from his wine. And knew what his younger son had done unto him. Now let me explain something to you. You know, some people say, well, we don't necessarily know that Noah was sodomized in the story. Well, look, God many times will just... Uh, you know, spare us the details so as to not defile our minds. But you, but you got to understand something, okay? And I, don't, I really, I wish I had the time to develop this because I'm already running out of time. I don't have the time to develop this, but this is going to sound kind of weird, but just, just listen to it and, and I'll explain to you later if, if you have trouble with it. But according to the Bible, it is not a sin for a man to see another man's nakedness or a woman to see another woman's nakedness. You say, well, why, how is that not a sin? Well, here's why it's not a sin because you're, it's not natural for you to desire, you know, Someone else's nakedness, uh, 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 someone from the other sex, and, and and just to give you some some illustrations, if it were a sin for like a woman to see another woman's nakedness, then how could there be midwives in the Bible who delivered children? Because obviously, a, you know, a woman is uncovered when she's delivering a child. Let me tell you this: it is a sin for a man to see a woman naked when he's not married to her, even if it's at the hospital and he's at gynecologist. It's still a sin. It's still wrong. You know, that's why my wife and I, when we have children, we have them at home, and we have a female midwife come, because according to the Bible, that's the biblical way, you know, a woman can look, and if you have a, a female doctor, that's fine, whatever. That's a, a whole other sermon, I mean, that's a whole can of worms. We'll get to that another, another, another Sunday. But, it's not a sin for a man to look at another man naked. And it's not a sin for a woman to look at another woman naked, because, you know, the priest had to examine other men that maybe had, like, a... Leprosy, you know, and they have to look at their bodies. Obviously, midwives had to deliver children. They had to look at their bodies. So that's not a sin. So what was the sin that um, Ham, you know, the son of, 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 uh, of Noah did? Just simply looking at his father naked? Now look, the Bible makes it very clear. The other two sons, they, they were so normal that they had even no desire to look at their father naked. They just walked into the tent backward, covered him up, and left so they wouldn't even have to look at it. Because obviously, uh, a normal guy has no desire to see that. But what was the sin? The Bible makes it very... Uh, he, he uses his word. Verse 24. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had... Here's the key word. Done unto him. Now if he looked at him, he didn't do anything to him. But according to the Bible, praise the Lord, God is just sparing us the details, and He tells us that His younger son had done unto Him. And it gets even worse, because look at verse 25. Now, if you just look at His nakedness, why would there be verse 25? Because look at what happens in verse 25. And He said, Noah, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brother. So Noah was so upset about what happened that he literally just cursed. Now, here's... Here, put a curse on, on, his, on his son. But here's, a, here's a, the, something for you to think about. Ham was his son. Canaan was Ham's son. So, so when Noah woke up and saw what his son had done to him, he cursed his grandson. So, you know, it might have been Ham and his son. What I want you to see is the very first time that we're exposed to the sin of sodomy, 
Somebody is being defiled. Somebody is being raped. Somebody is being taken advantage of. So what is the first... God's introduction to the, to the homosexual to us is this. He's a predator. He's a predator. He's looking to defile. He's looking to rape. He's looking to do things to someone who's unconscious, to someone who has no ability. To, and obviously Noah shouldn't have been drunk and he shouldn't have been you know, in that state. But they took advantage of that. Let's look at the second story where we see uh, the homosexual and the and you know interacting. Go to Genesis chapter 19. Very well-known story. Genesis chapter 19. Look at verse 1. This is the example of Sodom and Gomorrah. This is where we get the term Sodomite from. From Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis chapter 19. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my Lord, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house. And tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your way. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house. And he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. So, just to kind of tell you the story. Lot is living in Sodom. He shouldn't be there, but that's where, he is, where he's at. God sends two angels to go see if the sin and the cry of Sodom is as great as he thinks, he is, as he thinks it, uh, it is. And when the angels get to Sodom, they meet up with Lot. Lot says, hey, come stay with me. They, they go into his house. They bake unleavened bread. They, they eat. They're, they're just hanging out. Look at verse 4. But before they lay down, look what it says. The men of the city, even the men of Sodom, come past the house round. And look what it says. Both old and young. I want you to remember that it says young there. Both old and young, all the people from every quarter. So every person in that city came out. Old, young, every man. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night. Bring them out unto us. And look what they say. That we may know them. Now that word know there has the same implication of... Do you remember in, in Genesis uh, when, when Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived? And, you know, that, that's the, talking about a, a relationship. So they come to the city and they say, Hey, Lot, uh, we saw two men go into your house there. Why don't you bring them out so that we may know them? Look at verse 6. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. And said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold now, I have two daughters. And, and look, Lot is insane. Lot is not right with God and Lot is an idiot. And this, he offers this and it's just weird. But he said, Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. He said, I got two daughters that are virgins. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. So he's pretty much offering his daughters. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. So he's saying, look, these guys are angels. These guys came from God. Take my daughters, but don't do anything to these guys. I mean, isn't that insane that somebody would get to that point? Look at verse 9. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came into sojourn. So, so now the, the Sodomites are speaking to Lot. And they're saying, hey, this fellow, Lot, he came into sojourn. Because remember, Lot wasn't originally from Sodom. He went to live there when he left Abraham. And he said, hey, this one fellow came to sojourn. And he will need to be judged. So they're saying, hey, Lot came here to live here. And now he's trying to judge us. Now he's trying to tell us, you know, don't do this. This is wicked. This is wrong. And, says, and, and this is what they said to Lot. They said, now will we deal worse with thee 
Then with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hands and pulled Lot into the house to them, and shut uh, to the door, and they smote the men... and they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they were weary themselves to find the door. So the lot, so the angels bring Lot in, and they perform a miracle, and they smote the men with blindness so that they can't see them, and, and that way they could get away from that situation. But look, the second time that we see an interaction between the Sodomites and regular society, and what do we see? A bunch of men coming to a house, and they want to rape, and they want to defile, and they want to do wrong. Let's go to Judges 19. Are you starting to see the picture that God is painting for us of the homosexual. I know that the television show makes him look like just this funny, flamboyant, you know, uh, silly guy. And I, I know that, 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 that that's what TV shows of him, or what the world tells us of him, or, or, or what you've seen, uh, uh, you know, as you interact with him in the world. But let me tell you something, God says that there comes a time when someone that's so wrong and so rejected, He said, I give them over and they're vile and they're evil. They're predators. Look at, are you in Judges 19? We'll look at the third interaction that we see in the Bible with a sodomite. Judges 19. Look at verse 20. Very, very similar to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Judges 19 and verse 20. The Bible says, The old man said... Now, there's way too much information to give you the entire story and the context, but pretty much what you got to know is this. There was a, a Levite. He had a, a concubine, and she ran away. He went to go find her, and when he finds her, he finds her in the city. Okay, he's been there for a while, and he's getting ready to go. Bible says, And the old man said, Peace be with thee. Howsoever, let all thy wants lie upon me, only judge not in the street. So this old man fights this Levi. He said, Hey, you don't want to stay in the street tonight. Because he was journeying back home. He said, You don't want to stay in the street, just come lodge with me. So he brought him into the house, and gave provender unto the asses, and they washed their feet, and did eat and drink. Now as they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, certain sons of Belial. Now do you remember last week when we were talking about alcohol, and we talked about the story of Hannah, and how she was at the temple, and she was speaking, and her mouth was opening, but her, she was speaking in her heart, and the priest said, you know, put, put your wine away, and he thought she was drunk, and remember she said, don't count me as a daughter of Belial. Because she was saying, look, I'm not, a, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm not a drunk. And, and Belial is referring to Satan himself. The, the, the small g god, Satan. So it says, these men, these were certain sons of Belial. Beset the house round about. And beat at the door and spake to the master of the house, the old man saying, bring forth the man that came into thine house, that we may know him. Again, they want to know him. And the man, the master of the house, went, went out of, unto them, and said unto them, Nay, my brethren, nay, I pray you, do not do so wickedly, seeing that this man is come into mine house, do not this folly. Behold, here is my daughter. You see, very similar to Lot. Behold, here is my daughter, a maiden, and his, and his concubine. Them will I bring out now, and humble ye them, and do with them what seemeth good unto you. But unto this man do not so vile thing. Now look. I apologize if the story is too descriptive for you, but it's the Word of God. Look at verse 25. But the man would not... Uh, I'm sorry, we, we read... No, let's read verse 25. But the man would not hearken to him, so the man took his concubine. But the men, the homosexuals, they would not hearken unto him. So the man took his concubine and brought her forth unto them. And they knew her. Look what it says. This is what the homosexuals did. They knew her and abused her all the night. Until the morning. 
And when the day began to spring, they let her go. Like a bunch of cockroaches when the sun came up. And look at verse 26. Then came the woman in the dawning of the day and fell down at the door of the man's house where her Lord was till it was light. And the Lord rose up in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way. And behold, the woman, his concubine, was fallen down at the door of the house and her hands were upon the threshold. The, the threshold. And he said unto her, Up, and let us be going. But none answered. She was dead. Then the man took her up upon an ass, and the man rose up and got him unto his place. And let me show you something. There is no story in the Bible where you see somebody interacting with a sodomite, and they're a good person. There's no story in the Bible where you see somebody interacting with a sodomite, and, and, and they're nice, and they're friendly. And, and they're just this flamboyant, just funny guy, and oh, they're just alive at the party. Every time we see somebody interacting with a sodomite in the Bible, every time that God takes the time to give us a story of a sodomite in the Bible, every time that God decides, I'm going to give you a little insight into my view of the homosexual, my view of the sodomite, a biblical perspective of the homosexual, every time He shows us that they're trying to defile, and they're trying to rape, and they're trying to do something that is wrong. That's what the Bible says. And if you notice... They had no problem raping the, the woman. You know, people have this idea that a homosexual only wants to be with men. Every homosexual can go either way. And let me, let me tell you something. Sodomites, they are not reproducers. They cannot reproduce themselves. They are recruiters. The only way they uh, continue their legacy, or the only way they continue their cause, is by recruiting people to be a homosexual. Like you say, well, how do they recruit them? Do they go out and try to find prospects? No, here's how they recruit them. They defile them. And then that, per- and here's how they usually do it: they defile a child. If you notice in the story, the Bible says that they was young and old. They'll abuse a child, and then many times, if nobody deals with that child properly, and nobody helps that child, and nobody brings Christ to that child, then that child, because they were defiled as a child, and because they were abused as a child, they will grow bitter, and they will grow angry, and usually when people grow bitter, and they grow angry, and they, and they can't understand why something has happened to them, and they cannot understand why, they, why, why their life has to be the one, why they have to be the one that was defiled, why they have to be the one that was raped, they'll grow angry towards God, and they'll reject God, and they'll reject God, and they'll reject God, and eventually God will reject them, and you just reproduce stay homosexual. That's how it works. And let me tell you something. Open up a newspaper and you'll find in, in 80%, 80 to 90% of the time, you open a, new, a, a newspaper and you find that there was a child that was raped, that there was a child that was molested. Here's what it usually is. The living boyfriend of the mom. 90% of the time. If you don't believe me, look it up. People get divorced the mom decides to go get married because it, it doesn't usually happen with the father because the father marries a woman and he protects the children. But 90% of the time, the mom gets divorced. She gets remarried. She thinks, oh, this guy's normal. I mean, he's not a homosexual. He married me. And then the, child, the children get defiled. Pick up, you, you pick up the sack beat tomorrow morning, and I promise you, you'll, you'll be able to find, or, or go on a website, you'll be able to find somebody in California, in Sacramento, in the United States of America, somebody got defiled today. And they abuse children, because they cannot reproduce, they recruit. And, and, and they, they are predators on those that are helpless and those that cannot defend themselves. That's what the Bible says. Say, I do not like this sermon. Well, look, that, that is God's view of the homosexual. So lastly, I know this sermon is going on too long. But just lastly, 
Let me show you God's method for dealing with the, whole, with the sodomite. God's method for dealing with the sodomite, with the homosexual. Go with me to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter number 20. Leviticus chapter number 20. We'll read a verse. I'll read a few verses to you. We'll read another verse and we'll be done. Leviticus chapter number 20. And look at verse 13. Leviticus chapter number 20 and look at verse 13. This is God's law. If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. Strong language. Both of them have committed an abomination. And here's how God deals with it. He says, They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. So according to the Bible, see, God instituted the death. Do you remember when we were in Genesis, uh, when, when Noah came off the ark, God instituted the death penalty for the first time? Well, in Leviticus, God brought, at first he said, hey, the death penalty, if you shed man's blood, your blood by man shall be shed, and he institutes the death penalty for murder. But in the book of Leviticus, he broadens the scope, and he gives different other reasons why uh, the death penalty could be applied. And one of those reasons is for sodomy. Uh, in the Old Testament, under God's law, if, if someone was found to be a homosexual, they were put to death. And the Bible says their blood should be upon them. It's their fault. And the Bible says they put them to death. Now, let, let me make this clear. I'm not advocating that we go out and find homosexuals and stone them. Obviously, we live in the United States of America, and we live under a law. We do not live under God's law. You know, we're not Old Testament Israel that has the book of Leviticus as our law. There are laws in America, and, and we should not, you know. So don't leave here tonight. You know, sometimes you, you, you preach some, and people get these wrong ideas. I am not advocating, and I did not say, and this is going on record, I did not tell you to go kill a homosexual. But I'm telling you this is how God, if we lived under God's perfect society, if, if, if we lived under God's uh, law, which is the book of Leviticus, which is the whole King James Bible, this would be the law. A sodomite is put to death. Why is God so harsh with them? Can't we re- rehabilitate them? Can't we preach them the gospel and get them saved and make them... Um, Good member of society. And the reason that God is so harsh, the reason God says, if you find a sodomite, just put him there. The reason He does that is because that there's no hope. They cannot get saved. They've been rejected. All they're going to do is hurt and molest and rape and they're going to do wrong and God says, just put them to death. You don't have to turn there. Go back to Romans chapter number 1. We're going to look at one more verse. Let me read for you a few verses as you go to Romans chapter number 1. Let me and just go to Romans 1 and let me read these verses for you. 1 Kings 14.24 says this, And there were also sodomites in the land, and they did according to all the abominations of the nations, which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. So the Bible says that the Lord cast out the, um, the abominations of the nations, and the Lord cast out those sodomites. 1 Kings 15.11 says this, And Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did David his father. And he took away the sodomites out of the land, and removed all the idols that his father had made. So he took the sodomites out of the land. How did he take them out? Killed them. 1 Kings 22.45 says this, Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, and his might that he showed, and how he warred, and they, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And the remnant of the Sodomites, which remained in the days of his father Asa, he took out of the land. 2 Kings 23.7 says this, And he break down the houses of the Sodomites that were by the house of the Lord, where the women were hanging for the grove. So God says, here's how I deal with it, I just put them to death. Let me tell you something, God does not, look, in the Bible, we have the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. If you remember, the Bible tells us in the book of Jude that in the story of God of Samora, God, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, God literally took fire from hell. He took hellfire and poured it on Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed it. 
He sent in the angels to take Lot and his family out, because they were saved, and everyone else got killed. Now look, there's, a, there's another story in the Bible of, of Jonah. Have you ever heard the story of Jonah and the whale? If you remember, God sent Jonah to Nineveh. Now God sent Jonah to Nineveh, and God told Jonah, Hey Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and this, here's what I want you to tell him. 40 days. You know, repent. 40 days. And he was telling him, 40 days and God is going to judge this nation. 40 days and God is going to destroy this nation. So God to Nineveh sends a preacher. He says, tell them they've got 40 days to get right with God or I'm going to destroy them. And of course we know the story. They did get right with God and God didn't destroy them. Why did he not do that for Sodom and Gomorrah? Why didn't he send the angels or somebody to go preach to them and try to get them saved? Here's why, because there's no hope for them. Here's why, because they cannot get saved. Here's why, because once you've rejected God, you're a reprobate, your conscience is seared, there's no hope. You might as well just be in hell already. And God literally took hellfire from hell and poured it upon them. And He gave them no other hope. You say, well, that's... Pastor Jimenez, that's the Old Testament. The God of the New Testament is love. Okay. We're in Romans chapter number 1. Look at verse 32. We're done. Romans 1, 32. Who knowing the judgments of God. The context we read the rest of Romans 1 is the Sodomite. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Is that New Testament enough for you? They which commit such things, what things? Unnatural things, are worthy of death. But now, now, now look at this. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So God says, not only does the sodomite who commits such things, not only is he worthy of death, but those who take pleasure in them that do them. God says, they're worthy of death too. What do you mean? Well, when you sit down and you turn on the television and you watch, you know, I, I don't know, Will and Grace. Oh, it's so funny because he's, 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 a, he's a queer and he's so funny. He's so flamboyant. Oh, I just love that show. It's so funny. You take pleasure in that. God says, you're worthy of death. God says it's not funny. See, the world tries to make fun of sin. The world tries to make light of sin. The world wants you to think, oh, it's just funny. Oh, there's nothing wrong with it. But God says, no, there is something wrong with it. There's something wrong with the homosexual who wants to defile a child and and he's a reprobate and it's wrong. God says it's wrong and God says, here's how I deal with it in the Old Testament and here's how I deal with it in the New Testament. They are worthy of death. God says, I put the death penalty. You say, Pastor Jimenez, I do not agree with you. I think you're an idiot. I want you to preach on love. Look, I don't know. Welcome to Verity Baptist Church. <laughs> this, is, this is what we do. But let me tell you something. That is a clear view. That is God's view. That When God wants you to know about the sodomite, He says, here's what, my, here's what I wrote about the sodomite. Now look, if you can find for me in the Bible, and, and I would, you know, read the nine chapters a day and then read the rest of the Bible. And if you can find for me in the Bible where the Bible says anything otherwise, where there's ever a positive mention of a homosexual, I'd love for you to show me that. And I will, I will stand up and I will correct my statements. But let me tell you something. I've read the Bible through a few times and it's not there. Every time it's mentioned, it's negative. Every time it's mentioned, it's wrong. From Genesis chapter number nine, they're raping, they're defiling, they're wrong. They're reprobates. God has rejected them. And that is God's view on the Sodomite. Now I know that may be a little different than Oprah's view on the Sodomite. I know that may be a little different than Dr. Phil's view on the Sodomite. I know that's a little different than President Obama's view on the Sodomite. I know that's a little different than this world's view on the Sodomite. But at least there's somebody standing up saying, Hey, we still believe the Bible. We still love God. We still hate those who hate God. 
Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, so much.